The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Let me just do that. Can you help me with this for a moment? What would you like me to do? Can you put that bag, this bag, inside that bag? Yeah. We've done a lot of that today. Good. Thank you. Peter, we'll, we'll discuss those uh, money and um, the political side of yeah. the uh, cartel art world. All in one show, yeah. Peter Suchin, good night for now. <laughs> Stop the Northern accent bit. I know. See you later, love. See you. Safe journey. You're both, you've, both, you've got to come to my show. I will. Definitely. Then do the radio show, 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 the radio show. Good afternoon, London Town. You are tuned to Resonance 104.4 FM. This is me, Simon Tishko. This is Isotopica, and today I have a special guest in the studio, Miss Marina Sussi. You have been listening to us walking up the stairs after walking in the rain and having lovely conversations with artist, art critic, writer, and general Renaissance man, Peter Sachin. But strangely, he's not in the show today. That's why he said goodbye before the show even started. How cool is that? Hello, Marina. Hello, Simon. Um, and uh, Peter has a show coming up. Oh, yeah, he's showing some show. He's just showing some artwork in uh, Woolwich coming up, and it's a show that's been transferred from Leeds, and we're going to talk about that, probably go and visit the show, all sorts of things possible, and we're going to give details of that when we know them. But it opens this week, and there'll be links to it, and some details on the website being www.com culture.net so um, have a look there but more importantly today is a special day oh it is isn't it mm-hmm. a day of, of uh, great joy well <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the prawns the prawns were nice it was actually my birthday today and actually the day that I'm recording this radio show because you know whatever it was my birthday and it was quite a big year when I was born because all sorts of things happened it was the year that two American presidents were assassinated uh, Marilyn Monroe first sang Happy Birthday. Uh, John Lennon had his first number three hit with uh, those songs that he recorded before he was with the Beatles. And Michael Jackson got married. Michael Jackson got married in the same year I was born. And a number of some of the most toxic pesticides that are no longer used, they were actually brought into use in the year I was born. And one of the reasons I'm like I am is because my school was actually sprayed. We we had a potato field uh, right near my school, and um, they used to crop spray it with an aeroplane. And we've all got certificates to actually excuse us for a lot of our behaviour because there was really toxic chemicals. Um, you know, the present ones, as we know, are wiping out bee colonies like that and as there's a profit being made by spraying neonicotinoids um, our government was one of the main governments in Europe that actually said no we don't want to ban these things because profits are really important and what the fuck are bees for? I didn't say that word. <laughs> beep and um, it's my birthday so I'm allowed to beep on my birthday but anyway we were sprayed with much nastier chemicals which were known as the benzoids and benzoids um, actually destroyed nearly all living matter and they used them for about six years on these potato fields and during that time not one potato grew. It was, it was quite amazing. And, and what was the point of the benzoids? There wasn't any really and 
did it. It was kind of before science, really, because they weren't doing it on an evidence-based thing. It was, it was someone came up with an idea. It's much, much like Michael Gove's got this idea of free schools, where rather than having teachers that are trained and educated in the subjects and have a knowledge of basically the job they're doing, the Tory idea, which is quite amazing really, is just to go on instinct that people that they think might make good teachers, they can, they've got them teaching instead. And um, I mean, it's, it's fairly much the way they govern at the moment because, you know, they're doing it all on instinct. There's, there's no evidence involved, there's no facts, there's nothing joined up. In fact, I can't see that anything that this particular government's done has actually worked. Um, which is amazing. I think I think a big round of applause for all of them there in, in Parliament at the moment. Well done, and, and thanks to the opposition for standing up so well to it as well. It, it makes me feel proud to be British here in foul Britannia, as it's known now, in fact. Getting away with it. Getting away from it. But that reminds me, one of the kids that was a couple of years below me in school was Jackson Pollock. And... One other thing, he, he was an abstract expressionist even when he was in the second year at school. And we used to know him as Inky Pollock because he'd be splashing ink all over the place. And he, he was always in detention where I was as well. I thought that was um, Cockney rhyming slang. What detention? Inky Pollock. What would it be rhyming slang for? <laughs> Fish? I don't even know what that tastes like, but kind of got off the track a bit. Yeah. We? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, off luckily, got off the track. But let's not worry about that right now. Let's let's get back to the more important parts, which is you are tuned to an arts radio station, and and, and well, we're going to go into that. We're going to go into the art side of this broadcast. And as it's my birthday, I'm really lucky. I've been able to indulge myself a little bit. So I've got an extended special on. Um, agricultural pharmaceuticals today from the year I was born so any of you out there that have uh, in-depth knowledge of the pharmaceutical industry and organic chemistry will actually be able to work out how old I am because let's face it very few people can even when they meet me but even when I show them my various forged documentations uh, it's all obscured you know it's there's no real details of where I come from I think we should just listen to it, don't you? I'm excited. Okay. Everyone, if you're ready, pin back your ears. And for those that are at school with me, pin back your four or five sets of ears because we know what those benzoids did. But that's another story, isn't it? So here we go on a pharmaceutical, agricultural, isotopical special here on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is the birthday edition of Isotopica. Well, let's just see where it goes.
wild boar is a thing of the past. Today it is most likely to be seen as a wall decoration, a trophy from a hunt of former days. Or perhaps a quiet stroll in the country will provide another example of what the animal once looked like. Over the years, domestication and breeding have changed it into the boar we are familiar with today. Like this full brother to the supreme champion at Smithfield in 1958. Cattle too have evolved by selective breeding from these wild white cattle of yesterday. The change has been brought about by skillful breeding to produce the solid, blocky beef animal now seen on the modern farm. The type of animal which best meets the requirements of the up-to-date stock breeder. He is helped in his task by the growing improvements in methods of animal husbandry. For example, veterinary science makes full use of the latest discoveries to keep an animal in good health. The installation of modern specialized buildings and the use of up-to-date equipment which minimizes the labor required for feeding, watering and cleaning out does much to encourage the keeping of adequate records of livestock performance. Not only on the farm, but also at centers like the pig progeny testing stations throughout the country. To these advances there must be added feeding. Breeding and good husbandry methods alone are of little avail without adequate supplies of good food. Whatever the enterprise, the cost of the food is a large item. Efficient management can do much to prevent feed being wasted. Convenient forms, such as pellets, reduce losses during handling before the ration is eaten by the animal. Individual feeding makes certain that all animals get enough food instead of some too much and others too little. But even so, first-class animals cannot be produced on poor quality feed. Grass provides a large proportion of a cow's diet. Improvements in the use of grazing and the conservation of grass as silage and hay are the well-known results of research into feeding problems. The application of the nutritionists and engineers' knowledge can be seen in practically any grass field at the right time of year. But behind the scenes, detailed research has been unobtrusively devoted to the problem of feeding livestock with concentrated feeds. In this, the animal food industry is helped by the specialist's laboratory, as well as its own. Through this combined research, the animal food industry is continually trying to improve further the quality of its products. Some farmers are also making use of the new knowledge now available to them to mix feeds for their own stock. Just as they have always appreciated the need for water as a nutritional factor and have always taken care to provide a good, clean supply. High quality, well-balanced feeds have to contain a large number of nutritional factors. These are energy in the form of carbohydrates and fats, proteins, minerals and vitamins and sometimes drugs. The carbohydrates are selected from several feeding stuffs which may have the required nutritional value. 
Although grain feeding is common, however, every farmer knows that no single feeding stuff is a complete ration. Cereals have to be balanced with other feeds, particularly those containing more protein. Fish provide an excellent source of animal protein when processed and made available as fish meal. Much of this fish meal is produced in this country, but vegetable protein feeding stuffs have to be brought into this country from abroad. Vegetable proteins come from all over the world, such as groundnuts from India, coconut from Africa, and linseed from South America. Some, such as soya bean, are already processed into meals and cakes. In other words, the oil has been removed from the seed or fruit before shipping. But large quantities are shipped intact, and the oil is extracted or expelled in this country. Then there is the addition of minerals, including trace elements, such as manganese. These are often added to a feed to increase the levels which are present naturally. Finally, a well-balanced feed has to contain the ingredients which are essential for the health and growth of a thriving animal, vitamins. Although vitamins weigh only a tiny fraction of the whole feed, their inclusion is of vital importance. What are vitamins? Put quite simply, they are nutrients which are essential to life. In fact, they are truly vital. The number of vitamins appears to be never-ending, but fortunately the feeding stuff used in most rations supply the majority of them. And apart from a few very specialized feeds, the only vitamins which require further consideration are vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin B2, which is often called riboflavin. But some farm animals, in particular the ruminants, are not entirely dependent upon the mixed or concentrate ration for all their vitamin requirements. The ruminant's digestive system has been devised to make use of the whole plant, not only the seeds or fruits, and succulent or roughage foods form a large part of the daily feed. Cows, for example, eat grass, which, like all green foods, contains carotene and this is converted into vitamin A within the animal body. Unfortunately, animals vary in their ability to carry out this conversion. But cattle and sheep eat so much green food that additional vitamin A is not usually required. Chewing the cud is associated with what is called rumination. And this is another characteristic of ruminants which affects their vitamin requirements. In the paunch, ruminants have their own factory for making the vitamin B group, and these hardly ever have to be added to their ration. But even early weaned calves cannot safely be classified as ruminants until they are several months old, and until then, their diet must contain a plentiful supply of vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin B2. In this respect, Calves are more nearly like pigs and poultry, which always require the addition of vitamin supplements to their food supply. Because vitamin supplements are an accepted part of the livestock ration nowadays, serious vitamin deficiencies are unusual, even in stock reared intensively. These birds are six weeks old but they're obviously in poor condition. Accidentally, vitamin A was omitted from their ration, 
A deficiency of any vitamin reduces the growth rate. And when the shortage is prolonged, as it was here, the difference between a normal and a deficient bird of the same age becomes apparent, even without weighing. Growth to produce meat is one form of production, eggs are another. Profitability in egg production is not just a matter of how many eggs are laid. Eggs are handled many times. They have to be collected and carried to the packing room where they are allowed to cool before being placed into crates. The crates then have to be loaded onto a lorry. And all this happens even before they start their journey to the packing station. A normal, well-formed eggshell is a good container. Some hens, however, have their own ideas on shape and size, and oddments like these are found everywhere. Some of the abnormalities may be due to disease, but among this collection, several of the eggs are broken. Breakages are often due to flaws in the shell which as long as adequate minerals are also provided could well indicate the need for the inclusion of more vitamin D in the feed. It is these thin areas in the shell which render eggs liable to breakage and they represent one source of loss to the poultry farmer. Wherever livestock are kept, Food bills always account for a large proportion of the cost. A bird or animal is not a very efficient factory for converting animal food into human food, and anything that will help to improve the efficiency will add to the profitability. Even in the worst climate, Animals kept out of doors will be exposed to some sunlight. As a result, vitamin D is formed on the skin to be absorbed into the animal's body. If we can find a space, the beach is a good place for us to acquire vitamin D from the sun. And so it's a pity that vitamin D can easily be washed off when bathing. Few pigs go bathing, so they should get more benefit from the sunlight. But even those kept outside until weaning have afterwards improved their food conversion when vitamin D was added to the rarer ration. Riboflavin also has a considerable effect on food conversion, especially in fattening pigs. The optimum level depends upon the temperature, and this is affected by the structure of the house where the pigs are kept. The better the insulation, the less riboflavin required, but even so, the addition of riboflavin to practical diets has improved the food conversion. If all the necessary vitamins are provided, the profitability of livestock can be improved. How can this provision be guaranteed? Simply by making the best use of the available facilities in choosing the correct vitamin supplement. Vitamins are required in such small amounts that it is not possible just to add the vitamins themselves to the ration and be certain that they are efficiently dispersed. It is a skilled job to blend them into a bulk, which will make their final inclusion into the compound feed less difficult. The development of vitamin products requires painstaking and extensive research which has to be followed up by a rigid control of the materials in the laboratory at the factory, even though it may involve a complicated analysis to ensure that each bag of supplement contains the guaranteed amount of vitamins.
All these efforts, however, would be wasted if the supplement is not used at the correct rate. And if the best possible use is to be made of the supplement, it is necessary to compose the ration with the most suitable mixture of feeding stuffs. It is a skilled job to formulate compounds, one demanding calculation as well as practical knowledge. This knowledge is available to those who seek advice as to what a balanced ration should contain and what additives are necessary, especially vitamins. It is as simple and as difficult as that. In the rearing of livestock, there are three lines of approach, and they are all interdependent. Breeding, for the shape of animal that provides the type of product the consumer requires. Housing, in the best possible way, including the use of up-to-date equipment to minimize labor problems and to encourage the keeping of adequate records of livestock performance. Not only by giving livestock enough to eat, but also by providing them with food of the highest quality. Food which contains all the ingredients for maximum animal production at the lowest possible cost. These are the factors which make animal production a profitable enterprise on any farm. He's been studying the concept of money for years. 
and it, all this stuff about value, he knows all about it. I'm just trying to even begin to understand it from me. But how have we been to you from the... Uh, Skype? Can you, can you set, yeah, Skype, could you record that? Yeah, easily. Would the quality be good enough, all that stuff? Well, if we can't get good enough quality, we just phone up the American Embassy yeah. and they've got it in really high quality. Oh, borrow it, can you? Did you go to the residence party last week? I did. Was it the week before? I did, yeah. I nearly went, but I couldn't. Oh, that's right. That's I couldn't what I was doing in the, Soho when I, I eat the rainy sandwich. I couldn't face the noisy pub, you know. I didn't go. Because <laughs> we went to that one at Christmas, you know? Yeah. It was just like some old man, bumpy old man. <laughs> called Ed, called Ed, uh, Ed Baxter. It's a very male ensemble. I know. I have to say at this point, I'm actually recording this. I mean, it's all go out here, isn't it? Very exciting. Is your birthday? There's an inspection of the block tomorrow. Oh, I see what you mean. And it's definitely having a party. Yeah, and I've got a high... Doing, that's a priority before the radio project. Well, we might as well do yeah. that early and then do the radio and show. And you've got a high block. Oh, well, my bicycles, oh, my yeah. plants, all the what tiles I've got outside. We're just going to put it inside under the aeroplane wing yeah. for a while. We're not coming to the front, do we? No. Friend had done a show at Southampton about aircraft instead oh, yeah. of shipping. But could have I'm, been in that one. I'm not Tracy Emin, so probably not. Thank God you're not. I could be, just for you. Who else was in it? There were actually quite a lot of artists. A lot of the usual suspects, really. What's the point, you know? Did you go and see it? No. Well, there was a coach journey. Yeah, yeah, I've been on I did that to Lexham. It turned out to be disastrous because it was like really stuck in traffic. Oh, so it's all like hours and hours. I did once. The only time I've been to John Hamlet going, I did that. Yep. And it, it was so miserable by the time you got there. Yep. Because you've been on this bloody bus with a lot of people. You just didn't want to. No. But Heldy Newman did a very good thing. I can't, somehow I knew she was going to do something. She 
showing Birmingham, she did the bus group thing. And she told the driver to drive round and round all the motorways until the petrol ran out. <laughs> we just pulled the stopper. See you, gonna... Hayley is wonderful, if only she'd answer my calls. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't answer anybody's calls. Um, it's it's very heavy. Heavy. It is, yeah. Alright, Peter, really lovely to see you. earliest times, sheep have been attacked by a number of parasites of the skin and fleece, and the damage and losses they cause have long been a heavy burden to the sheep farmers. Today, the increased stocking necessary to meet the constantly expanding demand for food and clothing throughout the world provides even greater opportunities of survival for sheep parasites and the diseases they cause. General effects of infestation in a flock are loss of condition and lowered vitality, impaired growth and quality of wool, and lowered resistance to other diseases. Strict control measures must be maintained, and in all the main sheep raising countries of the world, dipping and spraying are an essential part of the sheep farmer's routine. Sheep are dipped for three reasons. First, to destroy external parasites and protect the animals against them. Secondly, to control the diseases which parasites cause or transmit. Thirdly, to improve the wool and freshen up the sheep. It is not definitely known who originated dipping as opposed to smearing or washing. But about the year 1800, Lord Somerville in Norfolk, England, was immersing his sheep in a mixture of arsenic, soft soap and water. In 1810, a Frenchman named Tessier also used a mixture of arsenious acid and sulphate of iron, but dipping did not become a general practice until after William Cooper invented the first arsenic sulphur powder dip in 1843. William Cooper practiced as a veterinary surgeon at Berkhamsted in Hertfordshire, and his dip eventually penetrated to all the main sheep-raising countries of the world. Today, one of the most troublesome pests of sheep in many countries is probably the maggot fly. This feeds on carrion and lays its eggs on dead carcasses and the living sheep. It is attracted by the odours of decomposition, such as droppings and urine in the fleece. Wounds, shear cuts and similar injuries also attract the maggot fly. The female lays her eggs in quick succession, 120 to 250 at a time, and may produce some 2,000 during her lifetime. These eggs hatch into maggots, which immediately begin to feed, and in neglected cases, the sheep may be literally eaten alive. In a few days, when the maggots are fully grown, they drop to the ground. Here, they bury themselves and change into pupae, from which the flies emerge later. The sheep ked is a true insect, in fact a wingless fly, which passes all its life on the sheep. It lives by sucking blood and causes great irritation with consequent loss of condition and lowered resistance to bacterial infections. Like other parasites, it is also responsible for considerable wool damage. The female gives birth to a mature maggot or larva, which almost immediately changes into a hard-skinned pupa. This is the so-called egg of the ked, which is attached to the piece by a gummy secretion. Sheep lice are another cause of loss. They're particularly troublesome in Australia and New Zealand, and in recent years have become an increasing problem in Britain. 
The biting or body lard seen here is found nearly everywhere and does the most damage. Lice cause sheep to rub and nibble at the wool. Serious damage is done to the fleece and heavily infested lambs become stunted in growth. Feeding is interrupted and the loss of wool makes the sheep less able to withstand bad weather conditions. Ticks, of which there are many different kinds, cause much loss of blood, irritation and unthriftiness. Great losses are also caused through the tick's ability to transmit such diseases as laughing ill, tick-borne fever, heartwater. Unlike TEDs, ticks are difficult parasites to control, since only a short part of their very long life cycle is passed on the sheep. They can also infest other animals, so their chance of survival is great. The fertilized female lays 500 to 2,000 eggs on the ground. From these, larvae emerge, which must feed on blood at each of their several stages of development. Between each stage, they drop to the ground, until finally the adult stage is reached. Pairing then takes place on the sheep or other host. A number of skin parasites of the genus Acari, or mites, can also be controlled by dipping. These include certain types of mange, which cause trouble in goats, camels and other animals. Seen here is the itch mite of sheep. The mite which causes sheep scab was at one time very widespread, but persistent measures have wiped out scab in Great Britain, Australia and New Zealand. However, this disease still occurs in Europe and other sheep raising areas of the world. Scab mites cause great irritation and loss of wool through the sheep biting, scratching and rubbing themselves. The fleece falls off, large scabby areas of skin are exposed and the animal may die if left untreated. If a scabby sheep is scratched, it shows its pleasure by twitching its head and smacking its lips. Since earliest times, attempts were made to control external parasites of sheep with salves and smears. It was difficult to penetrate the fleece with these and none was particularly effective. Total immersion of the sheep in a tip wash finally solved the problem of control. The equipment necessary for dipping is quite simple. The first necessity is a bath in which the sheep can be completely immersed and a water supply from which it can be filled. Suitable catching and draining pens save time and labour. The only other essentials are a plunger or broom for keeping the wash stirred and a crutch for controlling the sheep in the bath and ducking their heads under the wash. The size and type of bath to install depends on the number of sheep to be dipped. A bath of 240 gallons is suitable for flocks of up to 800 sheep, but for small breeds, one holding up to 170 gallons may be preferred. When installing baths, it is important to have them deep enough. It is better to allow too much depth than too little. The capacity of the bath must also be accurately determined. Carefully measured quantities of water should be added to it and the levels recorded. Small farmers overseas may dip their few sheep or goats in an African kitui bath, which is merely a metal drum sunk in the ground. Another type of bath found in East Africa and elsewhere is the circular swim bath, holding about 800 gallons. The operator stands on an island in the middle and one or two men can control several sheep together in the bath. Biggest of all are the long swim baths needed for dipping the large flocks of Australia and South America. These are usually of concrete and hold anything up to 3,000 gallons of wash, the average being about 2,000 gallons.
Against certain parasites, particularly the maggot fly, excellent control has also been achieved by spraying with the Cooper Almond Sheep Spray Race. A similar race is known in some countries as the Porto Spray. There is no doubt that spraying saves much time and labour, and handling of the sheep is reduced to a minimum. Less wash is required for spraying than for dipping, but a specially formulated spray must be used and applied through equipment that ensures good coverage. As with dipping, correct preparation of the wash is essential. This type of race is transportable and can be taken to the sheep if necessary. Driving the flock over a long distance is therefore eliminated. The sheep readily follow each other through the race and they can be sprayed at a rate of up to 60 a minute. For the control of parasites living close to the skin, such as lice, keds and mites, dipping or showering is preferable to spraying owing to greater penetration of the fleece. And in Australia and New Zealand, sheep are often showered on a large scale. With this type of equipment, fixed jets saturate the sheep from below and nozzles on a boom rotate above them. Protection against maggot fly can also be achieved by jetting or hand spraying. This is mainly of value for heavily fleeced sheep like the merino. Wash is applied to the parts of the sheep most liable to be struck, such as the crutch and along the back. In the search for better sheep dips and other insecticides, the Cooper Technical Bureau and their colleagues overseas have always played a leading part. Every year, many hundreds of chemicals are screened for their possible usefulness in the control of animal parasites. Promising ones are thoroughly examined in the laboratory before being tested under practical farming conditions. This entails the keeping of large colonies of flies and other insects for experimental purposes. Dips can be in powder, paste or liquid form. For over a century, arsenic and sulphur or phenols were the main constituents of sheep dips. In arsenic sulphur dips, the insecticide remained in suspension in the wash and much stirring of the bath was necessary to prevent it settling. Correctly formulated, these dips cured scab in two dippings. Carbolic dips form an emulsion. They are easily mixed, give a clean, tarry odour to the fleece and can be reinforced with other insecticides. After the war, simple arsenic sulphur and carbolic dips were largely superseded by synthetic insecticides such as DDT and BHC. These could be formulated as suspensions or emulsions. Sheep remove both water and insecticide from the bath. Some of the insecticide is retained in the fleece, and the wash draining back to the bath is therefore under strength. To restore the bath to its original strength and maintain sufficient depth of wash in it, topping up is necessary. 
When topping up, pay particular attention to the dilution rate given on the label, since this may not be the same as for the original mixing. The appropriate quantity of dip should be measured, and after the bath has been restored to its proper working level with water, the dip should be added to it. The bath is then stirred again before dipping is resumed. After dipping, allow the sheep to stand in the draining pens until their fleeces have ceased to drip. When the pen is full, remove the sheep to a nearby paddock and let them rest until they're dry. If the day is very warm, allow them to dry in shade if possible, but never crowd them together nor herd them into a closed shed. Dipping, dipping, showering, and spraying then make possible the control of all external parasites of sheep. Maggot fly, Keds, ticks, scab, and lice. Constant vigilance and years of research have gone into the development of effective dips, sprays, and equipment. Greatly improved results are now possible. It is for the sheep farmer to apply the measures and methods best suited to his needs. Today, he knows that science is constantly adding new and more powerful weapons to his armory. Sheep parasites and the diseases they cause are being controlled or wiped out through systematic countermeasures and good husbandry. Once again, you have been listening to I Stop here on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is me, Simon Tishko, your resonance isotopicalist, with special guest Marina Sossi, well-known white rabbit, yogi, mystic tahini. Is that right? A mystic tahini? Om Shanti. Om Shanti. So, you've been listening to all the special guests today. We've had John Lennon, Margaret Thatcher, Jackson Pollock. Um, we've had some uh, a whole slew of abstract expressionists on the show today. Uh, there's been fluxus, there's been art movements from Tudor times, where we talked about um, whatever it was. They did Tudor stuff, wasn't it? I missed that bit. Yeah, I think I was in the other room at that time, but it was really good anyway, so thanks for people that bought that. But... There's one thing you all may be interested in. There's a new scheme that I'm trying to help set up at the moment, which is based here in West London, where Flight, www.flightphliGHT.org, an aeroplane in the department is based. And um, we're trying to do this kind of mutual gardening thing. Is there anyone out there that would really like to have an allotment but doesn't have an allotment, or anyone out there that would like to have a garden that doesn't really have a garden? Because here in the borough, um, I'm kind of getting involved in greening some large public spaces. I live on a council authority estate, which I've been here for far too long, and it's it's lovely, actually. It's fine. Let me not complain. But um, what we're going to do is we are greening this space with an organisation called Groundworks, who's going to come in and talk to us on Isotopica soon about the stuff they do within the local community and the environment. But an idea that's been thrown up from uh, Sarah Wallace, one of the more remarkable members of the London Borough of Hammersmith and Fulham housing team, it's been noted that some of the residents who are lucky enough to have gardens and green spaces attached to their properties, as they get older, they find it harder and harder to look after them. And it would seem obvious that there's people out there dying to have a green space to play with. So we're interested in putting everyone together in a very cogent, intelligent, joined up and well-balanced way. And... If anyone's interested in getting involved in that project, you can contact me through the links on my website, being theculture.net. And it's in very early stages, but we're going to certainly keep you informed because it's very much a resonance kind of green initiative, I think you'll agree. Anyway, let's all get involved. Let's plant some seeds. Let's get digging, grow a couple of marrows and some sunflowers and things like that. And in the meanwhile, 
You can find details of future episodes, past episodes and present episodes of Isotopica, the wider and expansive world of the culture.net, www that is, and um, you can go there and do that. Meanwhile, thanks for tuning in. Marina, thanks for coming. Thank you for John Lennon for making it all the way down to the studio today. And most of all, thanks for tuning in to Resonance 104.4 FM. Remember, keep it locked to the station. You never know quite what's around the corner on Resonance. So hopefully see you same time, same place. And let's not forget, I think next week is the first week we will be broadcasting Isotopica from the Science Museum. We're going to be there every Tuesday afternoon, in fact, from May the 20th through to june the 20th or something as will most of the resonant shows so if you actually want to get the chance to come down and meet us and have a look and meet and commune and generally swap information and network and hang out and it'll be nice to see you or anyone that wants to come down we will be at the science museum performing on the world's biggest loudspeaker the most sensational exponential horn which has been rebuilt by alex kukowski so details of that on the Resonance website. Details of that on my website, coach.net. Tune in, same time, same place, seven days from now. This is me, Simon Tishko, and Marina Sossi. Say goodbye, Marina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you next week. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.